You ready for Thanksgiving? Some people said no. There are no calories on Thanksgiving. We are wrapping up this series today, Then Sings My Soul. Hasn't this been an amazing series so far? It's been beautiful. What a friend we have in Jesus. Amazing grace. Pastor Glenn has just brought it. And there's just something about music that is so, so good for the soul. Uh, so <laughs> I grew up in a musical home, so music was always important to me. I graduated early. When I went to Bible college, I was only 17 years old. And what I like to do is kind of sing when I'm by myself. I don't know, are you one of those people like in the shower when nobody's listening, nobody's around, maybe in the car, and you just sing? Yeah, okay, some of you, some of you are like that. Well, but in Bible college, there was always people around me. I mean, I was living in the dorm. I didn't have that alone time. But I did have an opportunity that was given to me because a job opening came available to work in the library. It's my dream job. And the, what came with that job was a key to the library. So I could go to the library like at really off hours when nobody was there in the Bible college library and do what you would expect Pastor Tim as a 17-year-old would do, which is I would read. Um, like all these books, late at night, it was really all these nerdy books, it was awesome. But I could also spend one-on-one -on -one time alone with Jesus. And I remember one time, I couldn't sleep one night, so I, I went in the wee hours, it might have been around four o'clock in the morning, and I'm in there and doing a little reading, but I'm also, I'm just singing and praying. Now I grew up Catholic, and then I spent a year in a, an Episcopal charismatic church, and, and then I came to Countryside on Wednesday nights, so I knew some songs, I knew some, a few hymns, not many of the Protestant hymns, and you know, so my repertoire was kind of limited. So I'm going through all the songs that I know and that I've memorized, 17 years old, about 45 minutes later, I, I'm pretty much done, so now I'm making up songs. And I don't know, some point along the way, this tune comes to my head from my childhood that I just put Jesus lyrics to, Oh, praise the Father, manamana. Oh, praise the Son, manamana. Praise the Spirit from morning until the day is done, manamana. And I'm just singing this, and I got kind of animated. I'm, you know, I'm by myself, right? I know it's embarrassing. I was 17. I'm dancing around. I'm starting to sing louder. And then finally, I hit this big crescendo. And then I opened my eyes. And there's the vice president of the Bible college and the registrar and a student and parents that they were taking a tour. Didn't realize what time it was. And we just looked at each other silently for a little bit. And Dwight Martin, the vice president, said, and that's Tim. He works in the library. <laughs> we never spoke about that incident ever again. I wasn't reprimanded, we just never spoke of it. I don't think the student ever enrolled in the Bible college, but. But was good for my soul, except for that incident. So if you are here today and have your Bible, or if you just want to lift up your notes, we're going to lift up the Word of God and pray here. Father, thank you so much for your Word. 
we pray, Lord, that as we enter into your scriptures and hear what you have to say to us today, that they would stay in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. I just wanna welcome all of you who are watching online. And if you're here for the very first time today, you know what, let's just welcome our first time visitors because you may be a guest today, next week, come back, your family. We just appreciate that you're here. And those of you who are watching online, your family very, very much to us as well. So we open with a little bit of humor, but I just kind of want to warn you, this is, this is one of those tough messages. This is a difficult one. It's a difficult one for me to actually get through, so please pray for me. And this is a message about pain and loss. Pain and loss. There's a life that many people would say is a life of tragedy that I want to tell you about. There's a fellow, good man, his name is Horatio. Good baby name, by the way. But Horatio was living in the mid-1800s. He was a really good father. He was a good husband. Loved his family. Horatio was a believer. He was actually a personal friend of the great evangelist D.L. Moody. He lived in Chicago. His wife, Anna, was also just a remarkable person. You can bring up Anna. Yeah, Anna just loved Jesus with all of her heart. Brilliant woman, faithful to God. And they had children. They had this five, little five-year-old boy who got sick, and he died of pneumonia. It was a tragedy that weighed heavily upon their hearts, but they persevered, continued to love Jesus, in 1871, a fire hit Chicago, the Great Chicago Fire, destroyed their business, properties that they had invested in. They weren't left penniless exactly, but they took a major, major hit. So now this, this one-two punch of a financial hit, and of course far worse than that, the loss of their little boy. Horatio decided to send his wife and children ahead and he was gonna join them for a little time, a holiday in England where they could listen to his friend D.L. Moody preach. His wife and four daughters were sailing to England. And on the night of November 22nd, 1873, the ship carrying his wife and those four girls was struck by another ship. It was an iron freighter. And the ship sank in 12 minutes. Anna and her four daughters were flung into the cold sea. Frantically, Anna tried to save them. Barely, she had been able to touch just with her fingertips the hem of the little gown of one of her babies, but she could not grasp it. The girls were lost. Anna herself was found unconscious, floating on a piece of debris. She was rescued. And several days later, the survivors landed at Cardiff, Wales. And when she got there, Anna cabled her husband. And we have a picture of the actual telegram received. And she wrote, saved alone. What shall I do? 
Spafford left right away, of course, to join his wife. And he was sailing there himself. And, and when the ship went directly over the spot where his girls lost their lives, the captain alerted him and said, this is the place. And Horatio Spafford is leaning over the rails and looking at the billows of the waves. And you, you cannot imagine, I cannot imagine the depth of grief in his heart. Tremblingly, he went back to his cabin, overcome with grief and emotion. And in the midst of this, on his heart, these words came, I believe, inspired by God. When peace, like a river, attendeth my way, when sorrows, like sea billows, roll, Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well. It is well with my soul. That's supernatural. That is miraculous. That in such a state, he could feel that it was well with his soul. And it's not because he was thrusting aside his grief. And it's not because that he was just trying to get over it. It's because the presence of God was with him. And I want to encourage you with this because I know many of you are in the midst of something difficult or having had gone through something very difficult. And if you know Jesus, you know this, and that is in your notes, in the middle of your pain, God is still present. He is still present. He doesn't go anywhere. And maybe it's a circumstance in your life that's not quite as radical as what the Spaffords went through, but maybe you're in a marriage that feels like it's crumbling and you don't know how to rescue it. Maybe you have a child or a teenager who is rebelling and you don't know what to do. Maybe there's an addiction. You don't know how it started or or why it has become so overwhelming, but there's an addiction in your life that is affecting you, it's affecting your family. Maybe it is the loss of a loved one. Maybe they're gone. Maybe it is just the loss of a loved one to you. Maybe it's another difficult circumstance, but no matter what you are going through, going through it alone without Jesus is a billion times more difficult. I've been through challenging moments in my life really alone, and I've been through challenging moments in my life hanging on to the cross, and let me tell you, the difference is immeasurable. Now, when you see somebody going through a painful circumstance, and when I do, this is, I think maybe some of you have the same tendency that I have, which is to want to fix it for them. Have you ever been there? It's like, I just want them to feel better. And so I want to say something that will make them feel better. And then I'll feel better because I made them feel better. Is it just me? All right. So sometimes we give them this Christianese, like, you know, God's in control. Well, yes, he is. 
but it's difficult to hear that when you're in the middle of painful circumstance. You know, they're in a better place. They are, but that's, that's not the grief that one is feeling at the moment. Or how about, I, I'm just sending thoughts your way. Have you ever gotten that? And it's wonderful, and those things may be true and good, but I like the advice that the Bible gives. It's just so practical, it's so real. In Romans chapter 12, verse 15, the last part of the verse, Paul writes, mourn with those who mourn. Just be there and mourn with them. Oh, you know it, when you've been through something horrible and words just sort of bounce off your ears, but when someone is willing to mourn with you and feel the loss with you, what an incredible difference that makes. The Bible tells us to do it. Because when we are comforted by the presence of people who love us, and of course by the presence of our dear Savior, we are reminded that no matter what we are going through, if we love Jesus, it's not over. The story is never over for us. No matter how terrible, no matter how tragic, we know what the end of the story is, and the end of the story is resurrection and eternal life. This is, you know, when Jesus rose from the dead, this is the explosion of new life and hope that spread across the world to anyone who would listen and receive it, is that Life is never a tragedy for a believer, no matter how difficult things get. It is always hope and joy and peace. So there's a story that's being written in our lives. The times of grief and pain, that's part of it. But for the follower of Jesus, the final chapter, it's not pain, it's paradise. It's not pain, it's paradise. My wife and I, one of the things we were looking forward to so much is having a baby when we got married. And in a, in a few months, we were blessed with the news that we were pregnant with a little girl. Oh, we were so excited. Kerrigan, we found out she was a girl. And, you know, of course, you decorate the room. And it's all feminine. And it's all beautiful. And, and you know, getting all the showers, and when the doctors told us that there was something wrong and that she was at terrible risk, we stood in faith, and we just, our, our faith community here at Countryside stood around us, and we prayed, and we believed. We held on to that faith, that hope, until we were holding on to the lifeless body of our daughter. And at that time, words barely penetrated. If you've been through something like this, many of you have. If you've been through something like this, it's, there is no consolation except the consolation in him because it wasn't, we knew she was in a wonderful, wonderful place. Of course we knew that, but it was our loss and we were mourning. And I just want to give you permission when you are suffering, it is all right not to be all right. 
If, if you're mourning with those who mourn, that means it's okay to mourn sometimes, right? To be in pain. And I think that the Lord honors that. And the reason I think the Lord honors that is because the Bible says he does. In Psalm 34, verse 18, we read, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. If you have ever been in a brokenhearted place in your life, he is close to you. He loves you. Now, at the time, I think I was thinking something like, can you find a better way to be close to me, God? I don't know that this is the way that I want to be close to you. The truth is, though, that we have all, as a human race, we've chosen a bitter world by doing things our own way. That's what the Garden of Eden story is all about. Instead of God just leaving us to get what we deserve, God decided to get his hands dirty and lift us out of our pain. And he did it in a shocking way. I will say, pain does get one's attention, doesn't it? I think C.S. Lewis is the one who said that it's like God's megaphone. It can get our attention. Oswald Chambers wrote, any great calamity in the natural world, death, disease, bereavement, will awaken a man when nothing else would. And he's never the same again. We would never know the treasures of darkness if we were always in the place of placid security. I think that Jesus is so keyed into this. He knows that we are never gonna find true fulfillment in our lives just from the absence of trouble, we will find true fulfillment in the presence of Jesus. It's not the absence of trouble that brings joy and fulfillment. It is the presence of Jesus that does that. Don't you remember when Jesus, he told his disciples, he says, look, in this world, you're gonna have trouble. Promise of God, right? You're gonna have trouble. But he said what? But be, have joy because I've overcome the world. It's Jesus that brings that to us. Psalms again, Psalm 73, the psalmist knew about this. He writes, but as for me, the nearness of God is my good. So my wife, Thalia, many of you know her. She's over the preschooler. She's there serving right now and over all those wonderful volunteers watching over our little ones. And Thalia, she is this remarkable person, loved her mom so much. Her mom was a, kind of a young mom, great relationship. Mom could be very, very stubborn, but sweet lady. Her mom's name is Gwen. I have a picture of the two of them from about 25 years ago. There's Thalia and her mom. Her mom was sick and Nobody believed her. <laughs> she had a lot of pain, a lot of suffering. Uh, she was on pain medications at times until one of the doctors she had put in her chart that it was in here, it was in her head. And so the advice she frequently got from different doctors when they looked at the chart was, you, you know, what you need is more exercise and drink boost. Exercise and boost, that's really what you need. And years this went on until family is like, 
Gwen, uh, the doctor says you just need some exercise and drink. And she would go to the emergency rooms, walk herself to the emergency room sometimes. Thalia would take her to doctor's appointments and park as far away from the entrance as possible so that she was following doctor's advice to give her mom exercise. In incredible pain, finally she shocked Thalia, says, can I go to church? She came to Countryside. We had a guest lady speaker one time and she raised her hand to give her heart to Jesus. Thalia walked her to the front to get prayed for. This is, a, and her family's shocked. It's like, Gwen, really? Giving her heart to Jesus? And her whole countenance and attitude changed. She says, I don't know why God didn't heal me though. Finally, Thalia takes her to a doctor's appointment and the doctor's saying the same thing. You need exercise and, and boost. This is, I don't know, fifth or sixth doctor. And Thalia's like, please, would you run the tests again? Well, we've run them years ago. Run them again. They're expensive, but run them. A few days later, the doctor called Thalia and says, get her to the hospital now. She had cancer that had spread to every major organ in her body. And in the hospital, Gwen was so happy for two reasons. One is everybody believed her now. But the other is she realized, you know, if I didn't go through that much pain, I don't think I ever would have given my heart completely to Jesus. I don't think I ever would have done it. And now I have eternal life with him. She passed away on September 27th. 2002. So now you can understand when Thalia and I lost a little girl, this was supposed to be a healing moment for us so she could have a daughter and relationship that she missed with her mom, Gwen. Oh, and we had, we got pregnant again. We had this boy who's pretty amazing. He's the one that brings out the podiums every day. Destin, light of our life, man. That dude is awesome. We got pregnant again. Found out it was going to be a girl. We were so excited. We had no idea that she would be born on September 27th, the very day that her mom passed away. So I want to show you a picture of my wife and our daughter, Gwen. God is near to the brokenhearted. He loves those who are crushed in spirit. And the final chapter is not written in your life. Horatio Spafford wrote, My sin, oh the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross. And I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul. I want to talk for a minute about the cross, if you don't mind. Jesus, perfect Lamb of God, perfect, perfect person, God in the flesh, wrongly convicted, 
and tortured. So here he is. He is whipped with a cat of nine tails. There's pieces of bone and metal in that nine cord whip until his bones are showing. He is forced to carry this heavy wooden cross a long way. His hands and his feet are pierced there on that cross. Roman soldiers barking out orders and barking out laughs as they roll dice and divide his clothes among them. And Jesus, Matthew says, chapter 27, about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So first of all, there's permission to cry out to God. Jesus did. And it was a true cry of anguish, a sincere cry. I really believe that. There's something else going on here. You see, in those days, the Bible did not have chapters. There weren't numbers. So for example, in the Psalms, you wouldn't have Psalm 23 or Psalm 84. I mean, there were no numbers there. That came hundreds of years later. If you wanted to reference a heading of a section in the Bible or especially a psalm, you read the first line. So if you want to say, hey, guys, read Psalm 23, you'd say, hey, read, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Right? That's just how you would do it. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me is the first line of a psalm. Jesus is saying, hey guys, read this psalm. It's Psalm 22. And we're going to read some of this together, okay? It's a long psalm, but we're going to read some of these verses. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out day by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. He trusts the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. Do not be far from me. For trouble is near and there's no one to help. My mouth is dried up like a potsherd. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs surround me. A pack of villains encircles me. They pierce my hands and my feet. This was written a thousand years before Jesus was on the cross. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. But you, Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. I will declare your name to my people. In the assembly, I will praise you, for he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord 
and all the families of the nations will bow down before him, for dominion belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. Posterity will serve him. Future generations, that's us, future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn, he has done it. Jesus upon the cross and in the midst of his suffering and anguish is sending out a message and some people heard it and thought he was crying out to Elijah. Other people heard and knew what he was doing. Read Psalm 22. This was prophesied. This is so all the families of the earth can come to him. That's what he was doing when he cried that out, that first line of Psalm 22. So this isn't a question of God, where are you? But a proclamation of God's goodness. What's it say to us? Just this, that in the middle of your pain, God is still present. He really is. There it was, it was the darkest hour of humanity when Jesus was on that cross. The world watched with bated breath as the Savior hung on the cross, but the darkness of the tomb could not contain the victory of his resurrection. Resurrection was defeat of death and darkness and the kingdom of hell. So I just want to wrap up what happened to the Spaffords, Horatio and Anna Spafford, what happened to them. I know there's a beautiful song. They didn't stop. They actually felt the call of God to move to Jerusalem to spend the rest of their lives serving the poor there. They served God and served the poor for the rest of their days. They had uh, another daughter named Bertha. And Bertha, who wrote books, she reported that her father added one more verse to that hymn. And this is the verse. And Lord, haste the day when my faith shall be sight. The clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The trumpet shall resound and the Lord shall descend. Even so, it is well with my soul. In the middle of our pain, God is still present, not just to heal our past, to give us a beautiful future. The future is secure for each and every one of us that love Jesus. He will not forsake his promise to us. No matter what this life holds, resurrection, eternal life with him, adventures untold, fulfillment and purpose and relationships like we can't even imagine right now, that's what's in store. It is well with my soul. It's not a song of despair. It's not a song of anguish. It's a song full of hope and expectation, knowing that in the middle of our pain, God is there, that he is with us. Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment? 
Nobody looking around. I just feel like there are some folks here that are like, you know, I just, I just never knew how much the Bible embraced the reality of pain and suffering that maybe I've gone through, my loved ones have gone through. Or I never knew that Jesus, instead of ignoring all of our pain, that he just embraced it himself and went through it. Never thought of it that way. And maybe you're here today and say, you know, Pastor Tim, I think it's probably time that I take God up on his offer for free forgiveness that I can't possibly earn on my own, but he just offers it because of what his son earned for me. And this new life that his resurrection means, that would sure would be nice. Pastor Tim, would you pray for me? Because I'd like to ask for this in my life. And if that's you and you'd like me to keep you in my prayers and pray for you, I will do that. With everybody's head bowed, eyes closed, nobody looking around, I'm not gonna call you out, ask you to stand up or anything like that. But if you just slip your hand up in the air on the count of three, so I can keep you in my prayers. One, two, three. Just raise your hand. Thank you, thank you. Yes, I see your hand. Many hands. Thank you, thank you. So many, thank you. Father, I do pray for each person. Raise their hand. I pray that they would know, Father, that they cannot earn your grace and your favor, but that it is a free gift that is offered to them just by calling out. Your word says, one who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So I pray, Father, that they would do that, call on you, you'd forgive them of their sins and start a brand new life in you today. In Jesus' name. For the sake of all the people that raise their hands in this room, I'd like to ask everyone here, to repeat this prayer after me. You may have prayed it before, but I wanna invite you, if you've never prayed this prayer before, or this prayer is, is just different today for you, I wanna, I wanna encourage you that when you say this prayer as you repeat after me, and you mean it in your heart, because the Bible says that the one who calls in the name of the Lord shall be saved, God says yes to this prayer. This could be your new birthday. Would you pray after me, Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I know I've done wrong, but you sent your son to die for me. Forgive me of my sins, and I pray for new life. And I make you, Jesus, my Lord, my Savior, and my God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Isn't God wonderful this day? Amen. Well, I think we need to sing this song. Um, so let's sing. It is well with my soul. We'll have a blessing at the end. Would you all stand with me now?
Our daughter Gwen is joining me today in blessing you. So to receive this blessing right now, if you would just open your hearts, maybe turn your palms upward in an attitude of receiving. May the Lord bless you to know that it is well with your soul. May he bless you with an abundance of gratitude. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Church, I love you so much. There will be prayer people up at the front here to pray for you afterwards. Stay dry. I love you. We'll see you next Sunday.